Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Cousins throws. Pass Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings, the pre-Super Bowl edition of our show. Tonight we will have Pat Williams from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, You'll know him from the Williams Wall. He's a pro bowler and an all-pro from 2007. Uh, Of course, we got my man B-Mac, Brian McKinney, Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens and, of course, former Minnesota Viking. Uh, then we'll have Ron from the Trend Zone, and we will have Mike, a Wisconsin resident who is a Viking fan. He joined us a few months ago, and he's back to get down on some of this Pat Williams action. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna pick both McKinney and uh, Pat Williams's mind tonight on some free agency stuff and some X's and O's of football types of things. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you are looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three-point underdogs in the Super Bowl. So if you think it is unusual uh, for Tom Brady to be an underdog, then go bet on the Buccaneers. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching uh, props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head online to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Welcome to the show, Pat. How are you tonight? I'm good, man. How y'all doing? Good, hey. man. Hey, not, good. Bad, not bad at all. Um, well, tell us what you've been up to in 2021. I'm just coaching on high school ball right, right now. I'm enjoying my son right now. Like, uh, he's playing basketball right now, so I'm just being a fan. Oh, okay. And how old is he? Uh, oh, like uh, 16. 16? Six, six and a half. Yeah, six, six and a half. <laughs> oh, okay. And then is he playing both basketball and football? Yes, sir. Ooh, okay. All right, just so I can kind of set a baseline here before we get into our rapid-fire uh, Vikings questions and football questions, um, how closely do you follow the Vikings nowadays? I watch them all the time. Oh, okay. I watch them all the time. I a lot of people down here, so I'm still a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's spectacular. All right. Sometimes we have uh, guests on here that kind of keep, uh, you know, w- watch it from a distance or, you know, just check box scores. And so it's nice to know before we start getting into the nitty gritty, if you're like, whoa, I don't, I don't know all that stuff. So, we're, I mean, we're not going to ask you about like player birthdays and stuff, but we wanted to see <laughs> yeah. if you still follow the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron, why don't you kick us off uh, with, with a question for Pat Williams? Yep, Pat, well, nice to meet you. Um, so just a question going back to your playing days, you know, playing nose tackle, you know, it's not a very glamorous position. Um, and, you know, you don't necessarily get all the credit that you deserve. Although, um, you know, like for those who follow like all 22 and stuff, they see the impact that's made up front. But what is it like playing that position that kind of gives you that fire to compete, you know, on a play in play out basis? I just used to love playing that because playing old tackle, I just take all my life problems and I just lay it out on everybody else. <laughs> and I couldn't get in trouble. And I couldn't get in trouble for it. Right. So that's how I play. I just play so I play angry. Right. Yeah, you did. And to the two. Pat was a talk little Pat was a talker out there on the field. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't talk bad to you now. <laughs> uh-huh. It must be it must be a defensive tackle thing. When we had Sap on, you know, he liked to talk. Obviously, John Randall yeah. growing up, you know, watching him, he liked to talk. So is it is that just what it is? Being in the middle, uh, being up against the big boys that uh you just talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to talk a lot then and then Jerry Allen came and that just made it worse because Jerry loved to talk. Yeah, so me and Jerry Allen, we used to go off on anybody we can. <laughs> and Kevin, Kevin Williams must have been that kind of uh, – he, he was he quiet. Very, yeah, he seemed very soft-spoken and, and mild-mannered. So he was that, that gap in, or bridging the gap between you two. <laughs> Man, Kevin ain't say nothing, just quiet storm. <laughs> so would he, would he like sit there and roll his eyes at you guys or just laugh right along but not be too loud himself? No, nah, he just be chill. <laughs> 
Laid back kid. All right. Nice, nice. Well, hey, Pat, uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate all the years you gave us. Uh, uh, it's, it's an honor spending some time with you. You know, as, as I thought about coming into this year, I think many of us thought that the strength of our defense was going to be on the front line. Thought we were pretty well set with linebackers. And if we had any question marks, we thought it might be in the secondary with a lot of the younger guys. Um, you know, I, I think from from your standpoint, as you look at the at the defensive side of the ball, is there any specific position that you think a team can maybe get away with uh, or hide or disguise if they maybe aren't don't have that top talent? Right. So if you don't have a top nose tackle, is that yeah. easier to get away with versus if you don't have lockdown corners from your standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, well, you could get like you're gonna have a nose tackle like you got the linebackers one gonna make the plays, but they cornerback, everybody see him. So, so you cannot have no corner. Yeah, that's why they say they're out on the island, right? Yeah, so everybody, the whole world watching them. Yeah, in uh, 2017, when the Vikings made their uh, longest run of the Zimmer era, um, at the free safety position, uh, we had Andrew Sandejo, who is a good football player, but he didn't play as well as like Anthony Harris did in 2019. So I've long maintained that in a Zimmer defense that a safety might be a little easier to mask or hide. Am I, am I wrong there, Pat? I think you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You, yeah. You know how it is. Okay. Yeah. I think that's why he loads up on cornerbacks. Like we all giggle about in the draft is that sometimes, I mean, we couldn't skip on anything last year, evidently, but uh, <laughs> in a normal year, um, it felt like there was more of a, uh, you know, opportunity to hide in that that spot next to Harrison Smith. So I guess because Anthony Harris probably won't be back based on the money he'll get elsewhere. I guess we'll find out. Uh, Bryant, what about on offense? Is there a is there a position that can be hidden or not really? Probably tight end. Yeah, uh, can be probably hidden a little bit. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes a lot of those guys don't like the block and they have to stand with us. And they be like, help me, help me. You got to hide them a little bit. Because <laughs> we can always pass the ball to receivers. But, like, off of the line, off of the line is getting dogged out, it's like you're going to see it because it's going to be in the quarterback's lap. So, um, and then the running back's not running well, you'll see it. So, I feel like a tight end somebody you could probably hide. Okay. Uh, I want to point out, too, um, I think I think on the X's and O's, you're absolutely correct. Um, on Super Bowl efficacy, though, as of late, it feels like production from the tight end position is like mandatory. And I don't know if that started with the Patriots and Gronkowski, but if you look at this year with Gronkowski and Braids again, obviously Kelsey the last two years, and then before that, George Kittle, it seems like, not that it's a prerequisite, but it seems like uh, in terms of being a pass catcher, that uh, often, or excuse me, tight ends are, uh, important in the scheme if you want to be an upper echelon team. Um, while I totally agree with you on being able to hide it inside of a regular offense. What about, uh, we're talking about what can be hidden, uh, Brian, what about what's the easiest position to play in a football field aside from like punter or kicker? Is it also tight end? Well, tight end has to be able to block and be able to catch too. So, I mean, I feel like they have more responsibility off of the line, which is which is pretty much just blocking. Yeah. Um, the easiest, I, I don't know. I don't think none of those positions are really too easy. Yeah. Like you say, like, yeah, it's, quite, it's kind of hard to say whose position is easier because everybody's is different. Um, I just feel the offensive line will never come off the field. So I feel like we're getting the most plays. <laughs> All right, well, then we'll just do it. We'll do what everybody always does. We'll just leave it at kicker and punter and move there you on. Go. Yeah. It's <laughs> easy long, until it comes long, to Minnesota. Snapper, long snapper. That's the easiest job. Long snapper, like, come on. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, long snapper. Long snapper. Kicking's easy until you come to Minnesota. Then for some right. reason, all those demons right. come up. So, um, but, uh, so, um, Pat, a question for you. I know, um, you know, you kind of had, um, you know, you spent your earlier years in Buffalo and um, yes, in making that transition to Minnesota, um, you know, hitting that free agent market. I've always wondered from a player's perspective, who's in the prime of their career, what goes into making a decision and what ultimately led you to sign here with the Vikings? Uh, I look at the, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I'm looking at the whole roster. Like, it ain't about money to me. So, it's all, I'm looking at, I'm going, going to this team for the money, and it'll be short jeopardy. I'm going to this team that got some players, and, and it'll be long jeopardy. So, I I know Kevin was down there, and then Antoine Winfield played with me inside Buffalo. Hey, what, make, Antoine, 
What makes you different um, when you said not about the money? Is that because you already, I, I don't know your contract, did you already get paid big in Buffalo? Because it's rare that you would hear like the money be damned. Yes, I had, inside Buffalo, so I had a, a five-year deal, so I got paid on them, but I'm just, okay. I was already a family man. So I was married, so I ain't really had no entourage with me, so I was already <laughs> selling. Oh, hell yeah, so, okay. So I had, I had small people around me for the save my money. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense because, uh, you know, and, uh, and rightfully so, uh, you know, players trying to get uh, the biggest payday. Um, it's, it's cool and refreshing and an outlier to hear you say, I mean, cause you weren't like crazy old when you went to the Vikings, like trying to chase yeah. the ring, you were right, right still in your prime and you know, your, your production showed it as such. Well, I think that's pretty awesome. And that, well, to follow up on that, I, cause I always wonder, you know, they always talk about like free agency destinations, like, you know, the big markets and everything and being in Minnesota, like I, I've never considered a small market, but I know the outside yeah. world does. Um, and with the cold and everything, and I'm sure the Metrodome and winter park, the facilities weren't nearly what they are now. So like, I've always wondered just as an outsider coming in, the kind of the draws that you had here, obviously when you're here, like you hear players who play here, they love it. Cause the fans are, you know, I'm a little biased, but the fans are great. The atmosphere, is great but from an outsider looking in you know it's it's almost like in my mind like looking at green bay like why would anyone ever want to go to green bay like one yeah, in Wisconsin yes, exactly like, but he was coming from buffalo it's cold in buffalo too <laughs> not not minnesota yeah. cold brian you know that <laughs> yeah but we're, we're in the yeah. dome at least we're in the yeah, dome yeah, that's, buffalo true, that's, true. <laughs> that's true yeah, i'm playing outside now i'm almost changed my mind when i saw winter park winter park was terrible <laughs> hey, I hear there was no cell phone there. service in the basement and everything. So, <laughs> man, I, I went and saw that winter park. I said, "Oh, I'm all changing my mind." I said, "This is terrible." Yeah, we obviously <laughs> showed you that at the end. Obviously showed you that at the end of the tour. I'm guessing, right? Not, not I the say, no, <laughs> the first day. I said, "This is oh, I, don't, I said, I'm going to Buffalo to this." Have you seen the new facilities yet at TCO? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went out there. I had a tour. That's now they. That's, if I was playing now, I've been play, I'll be playing a long time playing that in that new facility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to I went to Eden Prairie High School. So Winter Park was like, you know, eight, ten minutes away. And it was always you know, I'd never been there because I'm yeah. not that I'm not that cool. Um, you know, I was like 17, um, and we were always told that it was junky and not that good of a facility. So I'm glad that you're able to confirm it. And uh, I went to. <laughs> training camp in 2019 before the pandemic and yeah that place is sweet so i'm glad you got to visit there because that place is it yeah it's it's nice it's nice all right bryant i got one for you man we can't talk defense all day right so we're gonna we're gonna gonna bring uh bring offensive line here so dustin's probably sick and tired of me texting in this at least every week but i personally feel like we will not accomplish our goal of winning a Super Bowl unless we make a commitment to get a, a dominant offensive line. It just seems like every year it is an afterthought that we try to piecemeal together, at least from a fan standpoint. That, that's what it feels like. So when you think about how to pull that together it, from your experience, do you think that comes more from the draft? Is that more of a free agency combination of both? Like where do you think a team gets the most bang for the buck in terms of bringing studs in on the offensive line? I would say a combination of both because – um you don't want to bring a whole bunch of people in from the draft who don't have experience. You want to get some guys who you've seen, you know, their work and know what they're capable of doing. And you want to bring some of those guys in to mentor some of the young guys that you may draft. So I would say a combination of both. Are there certain positions? Like, it seems like if, if, if somebody on the offensive line is struggling, it seems like the announcers are calling them out, right? Whether it's that's your all, That's the only time they talk about it. We jump off sides <laughs> or get a penalty. We hold in, get a penalty. Then they want to zoom in on us. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, Brian. Or I was gonna say, Brian. When so when Phil Lodeholt was drafted, obviously you guys had similar builds and frames. I know, like the overpowering um, nature of your game. Um, Like, what kind of mentor mentorship did you take, or what kind of pride did you take in kind of developing him? Because when you guys were on bookends, our old line was fantastic. So yeah, we both (laughs) were six eight. So I would kind of just tell him or show him like little things that I already knew, and kind of like tell him to incorporate in his game. You know, some people already got their game, what they're going to do, but you watch other people and take little things from different people right. and, and incorporate it in yours. Like with me, I watch Walter Jones' hands. He had great hands. I, I watch certain people with certain things, you know what I mean? But I also did what I was going to do too. So I, mean, I just share with him like some of the things that I felt like would help him. And then, you know, he just did his thing as well. 
ended when adding Hutchinson to that line, like next to you, like what kind of a difference does it make having someone who's so dominant at his position next to you? Like, as opposed to, I can't recall who was there prior to him, but that has to, that has to help. It helps a lot because I don't have to worry about like, you know, sometimes you get some players who want you to keep like, if they have a big D tackle that week, it's like, just make sure you say square make sure you do this. Like I got to always make sure I'm, looking at them and still my guy too. And I'm like, that's a bit much, but I would do it. You know what I mean? Um, so having him there, I knew he had great hands as well. And um, once he latched on, he was like, he wasn't coming off. So I didn't have to worry about him all the time. Just certain players, he, you know, every once in a while, like you had Justin Smith or somebody like that. I knew I had to hang in there a little longer because that guy was pretty strong. And um, just certain people I had to do that with. But on a consistent basis, you wasn't really going to get past her too much. One thing I, I want to point out is uh, – and Mike, so you, know, you do text me regularly bitching about the offensive line, and that's that's more than okay because you're right. <laughs> what I want to point out is we uh, we took a swing on Matt Khalil, and he worked for a single year, and then after that, yeah. it did not uh, go swimmingly. And then here's here's the problem in my estimation. We took three years off from drafting offensive linemen um, in the first, second, or third round. From 2014, 15, and 16, we invested no draft capital um, higher than the fourth round. And then in 2017, to Mike's point, we started to pay the piper a little bit. And being a solution-oriented man, uh, Spielman went out and signed Reef and Rimmers. And Reef, for the most part, has been uh, a pretty good signing. And Rimmers was not. And even though he's going to play the Super Bowl in a couple weeks, uh, (laughs) one of those panned out. And it wasn't until Pat Elfline in 2017 and then Brian O'Neill and then Garrett Bradbury and now Ezra Cleveland that we've started to draft some offensive linemen with high draft capital. But the problem is the three years that we just forgot or didn't do it, um, those hypothetical men would be entering their primes now. So – So it is frustrating and uh, there is accountability there for not having it put together. I think it's because that piecemeal philosophy that you spoke of, Mike, we thought we could get away with it. And so now, uh, hopefully with the selections of, well, Elfline's gone, but O'Neal, Bradbury, and Cleveland, we have a nucleus. And then perhaps we can get bold and signed like a a stud guard or somebody that's better than um, Dakota Dozier's. But we shall see. Well, I think they did try to address the line in in those years. They just missed badly with uh, TJ Clemmings and Willie Beavers. Uh, So (laughs) um, I think they did that fourth round seems to be the, the nemesis for us where we cannot draft yeah. an offensive lineman there so um whether right or wrong on their part but uh yeah i think well, earlier rounds definitely do does help a well lot, i just so. i just think too like kirk is the kind of guy that if he had a dominant line i mean he's already incredibly talented right but imagine how much better he could be i mean he could be deadly back there just surgical and precision tearing defenses apart if he had just a dome of protection. And I just wish we would, you know, for once, I just wish we would commit to that and and make that a priority instead of making it like an afterthought. So there's yeah. my frustration. I'm done venting. The the one year in Zimmer's tenure where the offensive line play was um, decent, it was ranked 17th in pass protection by pro football focus, was 2017. And boom, NFC Championship. Um, aside from that, we are habitually ranked 26th in the league in pass protection, like on average. And these last two years, it's been 29th and 29th. So we only know Cousins through this lens of poor pass protection. And right. it's just spooky to think, you know, if he, if he had a defense that was a Zimmer defense and then he had the type of offensive line that he mostly had in Washington, uh, it's just all of these these ingredients that one of these years, for Christ's sake, it should click. But well, Dustin, I'd love real quick, I'd love for you, if you haven't already done this already, like to, to go back over the last five to 10 years and look at the two Super Bowl representative teams yeah. and see what those offensive lines were ranked. I'd be curious, right? Maybe yeah. it's not a formula for success. It feels like it should be, but no, it, maybe it, the numbers it, it, don't. I will, I will do the diligence on uh, the PFF numbers and tweet that out, but I know already know <laughs> that it's going to come out and confirm your thoughts. So, Sure. All right. All right, Ron, so, what would you have next for uh, for Pat? 
Yep, we'll uh, switch gears back to the defensive side, uh, Pat, for you. So, uh, <laughs> I think we've talked enough offense here. So um, last year, you know, the Vikings went out and their prize free agent signing was Michael Pierce, you know, the big round suffer up the middle. So we, as Vikings fans, never got to see what that would do to the defense. Also paired with Daniel Hunter, missing him as well. Uh, but yeah. what kind of impact do you think that Michael Pierce would have had on the defense last year? And what kind of similarities in his game do you see that you had on the field? I think, you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, if we'd have played, I think you'd have been better if we'd had everybody. And I saw and I saw Hunter went down earlier and had back surgery. I just know we was in trouble. I said, we ain't got no DNs, no D-tackles, so <laughs> our defense in trouble. And they were struggling all year for that. Yeah, I gave uh, – one of my faults this season was I gave Zimmer a lot of benefit of the doubt, not necessarily when everybody got hurt, but when Hunter got hurt and yep. Pierre- and Pierce was out for coronavirus, the opt-out. I thought with Yanquwe and Afadia Denbo, you know, what I knew in September, I thought there was a reasonable chance that we'd finish, you know, middle of the league in defense, and then that'd probably get us to about 10 and 6. But then Anthony Barr got hurt, and then um, Michael – or, excuse me, Mike Hughes got hurt, and then week uh, 14, Kendricks got hurt. And um, the biggest problem of this 2020 Vikings team, without a shadow of a doubt, was the pass rush because we didn't have yeah. one. We had right. And we, uh, it would have been so beneficial for our young secondary, the corners, the rookies, um, to have that luxury of the pass rush because it, it was just trial by fire that if no, no matter who it was, had all day in the pocket to pick them apart. And hopefully yep. and here, this September when a pass rush has been restored, they're going to look at each other and be like, holy crap, I, I didn't realize it could be a little bit easier than this. So that, I, I just want to – yeah, go I ahead. just want to know if Pat yells at his TV like I do. Just get to him, get to him, right? Like just, just I believe somebody, any anybody. Humble. Hey, 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 you know we in Louisiana, so I'm fighting every. I'm, I'm cussing these Saints fans out every damn day. Now. I hate this. Good. Are, you, are you in Louisiana? Yeah, I'm in Louisiana, so I'm on with the Saints fan every day. I hate the Saints. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so does every single sentiment there, Pat. So. So for all the listeners, we have uh, Pat on video here, and he's got this like sweet ass Vikings, almost like a rugby style shirt. And I, he's, he's got to have a pair of balls to wear that out in New Orleans, even though I don't know you're you're big. I don't know if anybody would would mess with you, but no, nobody say nothing. <laughs> all right, Brian, I'm going to circle back to you. Um, I want to talk about this uh, trend as of the last half decade about hiring head coaches who are young offensive minds. It is undeniably a pattern, um, whether it's Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, and there's several others. Um, The desire is to go find an offensive-minded coordinator turned head coach and make him the skipper of the team. Um, We have not done that. Uh, We have a defensive-minded head coach, and we're sticking with him. Um, So do you see limitations – um, and what the Vikings can do because they've stuck with the defensive style coach. Well, I feel like defense, you would think the defense would kind of carry the team. That's almost like here in Miami, uh, Manny is more of a defensive coach. Yeah. But it's just like the Vikings, our defense kind of struggling. Our offense did good, but you're expecting <laughs> the defense to kind of carry the team a little bit more since it's a defensive-minded coach. So if the defense carrying the team – they're going to stop a lot of people, you know what I mean? And we'll just do the offense do enough just to score the win. But when you're out there scoring and the defense can't stop nobody, it becomes a little difficult. Yeah. Pat, what about you? This offensive-minded head coach thing, are you buying into it or are you sticking to your roots with uh, defense? I love offense, my coaches, because I think defense is easy. Oh, really? Like, you got okay. a bunch of good players. Yeah, if you got good players, a uh, defense is easy. Okay. defense coordinator look good. Okay, so you you are basically on the train that says, you know, let's try some of these offensive minds out. Kind of like, um, I mean, it's all over the place, um, but especially, you know, Super Bowl appearances, uh, McVay and Shanahan. So you're down with that? Yeah, yeah. That's all okay. I, I love, I, I love, I want to try to go. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we need a turnover chain like they got down in Miami. <laughs> <Maybe>, yeah. Uh... <laughs> That'll bring some excitement. <laughs> 
we need to get get someone with the swag to bring that up to the in the, to the team. Right. So, um, now, Pat, back to you. So again, back to your earlier days in uh, in Buffalo. You played um, alongside the great Bruce Smith. Now, in my mind, I see his two hundred. Um, 200 sacks as kind of one of those records that will never be broken. That's 20 yeah. years at 10 sacks a year. That's a phenomenal career. Um, yeah. What was it like playing alongside of him and what kind of, or what did he do that other greats say? I'm not saying Jared Allen wasn't great, but what did yeah. he do that set him aside from other greats that you've played with? Hey, Bruce, I ain't practice. Don't everybody on saying Bruce, Bruce take one snap in practice. <laughs> and, th- and then after that, he'd be on the treadmill and riding a bike. And they were huh. just cool and, with that? And then I always say, how, I say, how this dude going to play? And then on Sundays, he's he fucking amazing. <laughs> I watch him on Sundays like he's just a whole nother gear. Must have been oh. the big defensive tackles next to him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ted, watch it all on like that. I'm going to look at me and say, all right, all right, young pup, you got it today. I had to go first team, second team, and scout team. Dang. I took all the snaps. <laughs> so, okay, like, would he just, you know, set his own agenda to say, well, you know, I took my snap, I'm done? Shit, hey, it's, it's like Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas the same, Andre Reed, all of them. They just was chilling. They were just amazing. I was just starstruck at first. I said, this Bruce Smith? I'm just yeah. watching them all day. <laughs> and Wade Phillips, was like, at him. Wade Phillips was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> oh, no, it was Marl Lee the first year when I was there. I suppose when the results are what they are, you just kind of, you know, you don't mess with that. So. Yeah. That's like, yeah, uh, man, Arian, that's like Bruce Arians just telling Brady, like, yeah, go ahead. The dude, go do your right. thing. Yeah. Right. It works. Well, so, um, did, did you wait, try that, to get the same treatment? Did you ask for the same treatment? <laughs> what, how did that go over? Right. Hey coach, I'm going to do one, I'm going to do one snap and I'm out. I ain't asked for nothing. I'm just trying to stay on that team. <laughs> hey, you was there. You were there at the end of uh, Coach Tice, right? Yeah, yeah. I was with Tice. But you remember Coach Tice used to take care of us. <laughs> oh, like, oh, Tice, I ain't, I ain't never practiced on Fridays. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm about to say. On Friday, certain people, he didn't make practice. So Coach yeah. Tice took care of us that his last year. That's why I was sad to see him go. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was sad to see Tice go. Yeah, McKinney's on record for saying Tice is his favorite multiple times, and I don't understand why. I love Tice too now. Tice will kill you. He did. It's all coming together. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, next question that I have is uh, think about the draft coming up, right? So we talked a little bit about maybe where we could do better as a team. I'm curious from both you guys, um, what would your focus be in the first, I don't know, two to three rounds uh, for this team, knowing what you saw, knowing who you think is coming back from injuries, what, what would you think we should focus on first couple rounds? A big-ass deep tackle. I like the guy from Alabama. Derisaw? Is that his name? Derisaw. Yeah, yeah. That's one sold out in, inside the Temple game. Yeah, he was killing them. Okay, so yeah. you, got a, you got a three technique uh, defensive tackle and – then are you thinking also offensive line? Or are you thinking best player available type of thing? No, we need another tackle now. We need, we need, because Cousin be making me mad. We need another, we need somebody <laughs> to protect his thing. <laughs> he be stressing me out. Yeah, I was going to say like a D tackle. I was going to say an offensive lineman. And I was going to say a yeah. linebacker. Yep, that's yeah, that's line like that. So you mentioned Darisa out of Alabama. So Alabama has uh, – they're obviously they produce NFL talent year after year, but it seems like one area that they've been like really carrying that talent is defensive tackle, whether it be Deron Payne in Washington. I know they got yeah. um, another guy, but is there something to that where if you see – is there something to be said about like dominance from a certain position group at the next level where you kind of keep going back to that? Well, like, Hey, LSU produces wide receivers. So if we grab one, we know we're in for success. Does that work kind of with the defensive tackle spot as well? Yeah. Yeah. Defensive tackle the same way because Alabama put out defensive tackle and offensive tackle. <laughs> they just put out talent. Yeah. <laughs> So, right. so what do you guys think? What do you guys think of the of the stuff that I see online where everybody's saying, hey, we got to hop on the defense, right? How do you compare that to all the guys that we got coming back? Right? I mean, I don't I don't think we're a 29th ranked defense if everybody's healthy and everybody's back from COVID. Um, you know what I mean? Like do we, do we still focus mm-hmm. is, is the D line, even with everybody back, is the D line probably our still our, our top need area need? 
No, I think I think if we get everybody back healthy and everybody come back, I think uh I would need a a shut down cornerback. Okay. Yeah, on, the, uh, on the return to health, um, I guess, mindset, you'll have Daniel Hunter back. Um, you'll have Michael Pierce. Um, but then you still have to decide if you want to start DJ Wanham or Afadi Denbo, or, I mean, or sign a free agent. And then we uh, left with, you know, no attention. We'd be in the same spot that we've been in for a while outside of the year with Sheldon Richardson, where we have a three technique who, no disrespect to folks, was is just a guy that happens to yeah. be. And we, without, like, again, aside from Sheldon Richardson in 2018, at the three technique spot, so, you know, next to Pat where he would have played, we just have a serviceable guy. And that's usually uh, yeah. Shamar Stefan. Um, and, you know, he, that's fine. Um, but if we want an edge there, like, you know, like not an edge rusher, but like an edge in terms of a game plan, I totally subscribe to what Pat's saying because it would be nice to have some interior pressure as opposed to, you know, doing what we did in the Saints game in uh, 2019 playoffs where we moved Everson and Daniil inside to, you know, kind of switch it up. So I would, with a full throat, endorse, you know, getting a three technique that's more than just, uh, well, yeah, he, he's okay because um, I, I think it would just be more ferocious and, and I'm all about it. Um, Pat, you started hey, – Hey, don't – don't forget, don't forget, Dustin. If if Everson's fifteen million tweets work, he'll be back, right? So, <laughs> he's, he's lobbying hard to come back. Yeah, he uh, he's he has a, a strange demeanor on Twitter, and um, it's mostly in these past few weeks that he wants to come back to the Vikings. And then he insulted some of the Vikings, and now I think he wants to come back to the Vikings. Um, so uh, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. That uh, we welcome him back. Um, I just don't know if the stuff that he tweeted that was sort of vile, if he would be able to, you know, ask for forgiveness for that. But we shall see. You, uh, Pat, were just started to talk about Kirk Cousins a little bit. Um, I want to ask you um, about the, I guess, combination of Cousins and Zimmer as, you know, the co-leaders of the team, so to speak. There are many fans that dislike both of them, like one and not the other. Uh, if you're like me, you endorse them both. I think they can get it done. Where do you fall on the scale of Cousins and Zimmer? Are you, are you pro Cousins, pro Zimmer? Are you in the middle, or what do we got? I love Zimmerman, but Cousins, though, when, when they first signed him, I was mad. <laughs> I, said, why, I said, why the hell we signed him? He was a stat guy. He ain't no one, he just got good stats every year. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's all he had in Washington. I was, I was like, why we sign cousin? I was, I was mad at first signing cousin. <laughs> Has he done anything over the last couple of years to kind of sway your opinion on that? Or? He's just a goddamn stat guy. Oh, still. <laughs> so you feel like you feel like he's not gonna really win a game. He's just going to kind of just like you don't have a nice stats every damn year. Four thousand y'all every damn year stats. And ain't got none of show food. <laughs> Well, I got to get that on a T-shirt for my next time I, I catch a game there. He's, he's just a stat guy, right? I'm going to – Some of our listeners – What about the game have... in New Orleans last year? That... He, he, he finally won that one. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, thanks to defense. Well, he made that, that great throw to Thielen to set up the Rudolph touchdown. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, he, he does have a lot of stats. I, I will give you that. But yeah, I think there's a little bit – if you give him time, there's a little bit more to his game that – that's um, that, get off the top. We gotta get the line right for him. You give him time now, he'll pick you apart. Right. So I think that's and, a bigger. So that means you're like, So you're lukewarm on him. You think that he can be good, better with an offensive line, or I mean, because you basically have said if you say he's just a sad guy, that you know doesn't give anybody any sort of warm fuzzies. <laughs> Makes it sound like he's an imbecile. <laughs> what kind of warm? I want to warm. If we get offensive line, like, I think he. He can sit back there and uh, pick you apart. It'd be better. We get get some matter for the blocks for him. Okay, f- fair enough. Uh, Ron, what's your you got an, you got another thing f- about the Williams wall, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, now back and watching that D line work, you know, in those years that you and Kevin and Jared Allen and um, you know whether it was Ray Edwards and Robinson, yeah. um, those years were fun to watch. But with that that Williams wall, the infamous Williams wall, where it was. You know, Kevin was a great pass rusher on the inside, especially with his size. Yeah. And then com- combined with you um, at, in that run stuffing mentality, kind of what was it that 
that made you guys gel so much on the field? It seemed like you had a great relationship off the field as well from you know what I saw, but what kind of brought you guys together? You being with your boisterous personality and Kevin being kind of that subdued, what appeared like, how did how did that all work? Probably because they was opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, total opposite and stuff. Like we're different, different, you know what I'm saying? Different, but we just, you know what I'm saying? We just thought we like we just bonded quick and then played off each other. Yeah. We just played off. We just it was easy for us to play off each other. I, I always know what Kevin's gonna do, and y'all know what I'm gonna do. So it, it was just easy for us. Okay. Is Kevin the best uh, defensive tackle you ever played with? I know you did have uh, Ted Washington in Buffalo for some time, but uh, Kevin was kind of a different breed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say Kevin because I played with you know what I'm saying, some uh, you know what I'm saying, Hall of Famers and stuff, but but I say longevity, it was it was Kevin Williams. Okay. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well 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 Pat, I this next question that I have, I was a little yeah. curious, nervous how you'd answer it, but yeah. your comments a few minutes ago I think solidified where you're gonna go when you said <laughs> I hate the Saints, right? So yeah. here, here we go. So you know, you, I did a little research on you. You mentioned uh, in the past that the 2009 NFC Championship game uh, really put a, a bitter taste in your mouth. And, and you were quoted as saying, that should have been our Super Bowl year. If you know football, we whooped them, right? Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, after hearing about Bounty Gate as a player, what impact does that have on you as you hear that come out after the game? I'm curious from your standpoint. Yeah, yeah, but... At the end of the day, I really didn't care about it because the end of the day, we, we supposed to – and so my mind said we supposed to won that game with the E. And so, so I was just kind of mad all around the board. Like, it wasn't Brad's fault. Like, I always still – I still blame my damn coach because it was a dumb play call. Hmm. We drove we drove down there. We got that first down. We should just line up, ran agent season, watch the clock, time out, kick the goddamn ball, and win the Super Bowl. That's yeah. simple. <laughs> Any coach would have did that. 12 men in the huddle so doesn't help. We were out and trying to run another damn dumb play. Yeah. And then 12 on the field, penalty, and then interception. That's just right, stuck so in my damn head right now. <laughs> and I, now I, don't so trig- I don't want to trigger you, right? Uh, <laughs> I think we all can remember, we all can remember where we were. I, 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 so kind of a follow-up to that is, you know, for me, the Saints are probably the team I despise the most. And so, yeah. you know, watch, 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 besides the Packers, right? But – you know, yeah. watching them get hosed on a on a nope call pass interference against the Rams and missing the Super Bowl. Um, you know, watch, oh, watching great. us watching us crush their dreams with the Minneapolis Miracle, and then you know, Rudy yeah. a couple years ago. There's nothing yeah. better I love than just to rip the heart. Does that feel like you get a little bit of retribution as a player, or oh, is it yeah. in the past? I got it all back because because everybody was Saints fan, and all side been down here. I want I want plenty of money with these people around and lose out. <laughs> So I got all that feeling back the last three years. Every time they got beat. Nice. I, every I think time, it's funny. I was gonna I say, think say every time that, that Peyton puts in Taysom Hill and he makes a mistake, I love it just because yeah. when he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, and then you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, but let's have Taysom Hill throw it and get picked. So I, I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny too that the uh their owner was out on social media after that miss pass interference call just bitching and crying about how we need integrity in the game and you know all this stuff i'm like where was the integrity in the game in bounty gate right like i didn't see you right. anywhere right asking for that right. selective selector desires for integrity so all right i didn't know if you being from louisiana changed any of that and then and they so stupid down, down here in louisiana i'm saying how the hell y'all got some money for the suit of damn league i, I, I say suit I, I say nfl got too much i say y'all got no damn money for the suit no damn league Y'all ain't got enough money for Sue Lee for a damn one play call. Y'all trying to Sue Lee. I said, y'all go broke trying to Sue in that field. And then to, to get the whole rule change, the, the review pass yeah, exactly. and all that, it's just all that dumb stuff comes about. So, uh, Mike, I'm with you there. Like the Saints were like, it's always the Packers first, just, but that's a friendly rivalry, at least where that the hatred is a little different. Like I, I'll respect them, but I don't like them. The, the yeah. Saints, uh, I was at the Eagles uh, Vikings championship game. So the Eagles to me have crossed the Saints in that threshold yeah. because their fans are the worst I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, I wasn't being a rowdy fan. It was me and my wife and my buddy and his wife and they uh um you know just the things that they were doing to kids and women like just yeah. i lost all respect for the city of philly if it fell into a sinkhole i wouldn't be mad and i know brian <laughs> they were your team growing up um <laughs> and to be from new jersey so i apologize but uh you know what it is as a fan wearing purple it was tough <laughs> I, I, ron i try to i try to do that too but then like i can't 
compartmentalize the fact that all the Rocky lore is there and then like all of the uh you know American heritage is there like the I know I know and it's weird I tried to do that where uh you know I'll hold my resentment and rightfully so uh because of just how trashy that their their fans reacted especially towards our our poor Millie during the 2017 run uh, I watched right. them pour beer on a three-year-old kid and say that he deserves it. He's old enough. Like, like what? And they, like, and they, I mean, they're notorious, notorious for this uh, type of behavior. And so, and then, you know, flash forward two weeks and then Rocky four will be on TNT. And I'm going back <laughs> I finally got to go visit there. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I got to do right. standards. Uh, so. I'm, I'm with you though. So I, obviously I live here in Wisconsin. I, and I, in honor of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Sorry about that, continuing bro. to, yeah, in honor of Aaron Rodgers continuing to suck in NFC championship games, right? <laughs> I've got my YBYSA, you bet your sweet ass I hate the Packers on. And I love working <laughs> to the store here uh, in, in Wisconsin. So if I had one for the Saints, I probably would do that. Uh, you know, my, my last question would be, uh, you know, we had a COVID year, uh, really weird year, obviously, with sports in general. Uh, I do think there's some teams that maybe more than others feed off of that home field advantage, the crowd noise. I think of us, I think of Kansas city, I think of the saints. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, Bryant, Pat, both you guys um, from a player standpoint, do you feel like the lack of fans impacted us uh, a great deal last year? Or do you think that was kind of a, a non-event? Yeah. I, th- I think it's uh, like impacted Vikings because I think they needed this goal. The fans, it's one thing. Vikings got their fans. You need that base. You feel you feel that energy too, like when the fans are in there. Especially like I, I remember just playing, and I would watch our defense out on the field, and and everybody's going crazy. You know, trying like so the opposing offense can't hear. Like that energy, that I feel like that lifts up the defense, and that makes us want to go out there and score once they shut them out. You know what I mean? So it gives you a different energy too. So like being in there playing, I feel like it's a little quiet. It's like you got to find different things to try to motivate you where the fans play to be part of raising your intensity level up because all that yelling and, and screaming, like you have no choice but to like, yeah. you know, get up. Now also yeah. with that, Brian, like you being a left tackle now, tackles obviously are the ones who tend to get the false start penalties because they're farthest away from the center. So is that um, like, is that really like, in those louder stadiums, is that a big deal? Like where you're either waiting on the snap count or like, is, is that really have that big of an impact or is it kind of like a mental part of it as well? It, it has an impact just because, um, in certain stadiums you can't hear, you can't hear it. I can't even hear the guard next to me sometimes, you know? So <laughs> a lot of times I'm using my peripheral vision and just looking at the ball. And then once I, you know, see it snap, I just, you know, move. But a lot of times on the road, we do silent count. Okay. And I prefer that because I just know it's like a head bob thing and I, and I can just time it myself, you know, so that helped me out a lot. But if you're under center and you're trying to like <laughs> call cadence under center, it's like, I can't hear this. Like, you know, I can't even hear the guy. Probably easy. It's probably so easier too when you, when you got the size and length that you have, because you can peek in a little bit. And even if you're a little right, bit so slow, you can push the guy outside. My peripheral, I would try to just watch the ball and then go. And if anything, I, never, I didn't really jump off sides too much. So if anything for me, I would be like a little late. But yeah, you just, you just, you just I don't know, you just be under a little pressure though. Okay. Now, Pat, yeah, on the I, inside then, kind of what's the, like, you're looking right at the ball. So the big thing that frustrates me the most is Pat when you see those. quarterback hands. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you okay. can see right. Because for me, the biggest frustration when a D-line, when the guy right over the ball jumps off sides, like, and it's like, the ball is right there. Like, why is that happening? So, so you yeah. look at the quarter. I never even thought about that. So. Hey, I'm cheating. I mean, like, 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 you know what I'm saying? I see everything. So I can beat Jerry. I can beat everybody off the ball. And Coach, man, how you, got the, how you beating all them off the ball? I said, like Brian say, I see them hands, and I get everything. I see all the movements. Is there yeah. quirks and he stuff go, that you pick up as the game goes on? Receive the ball. Yeah, yeah. So I only look at the lines. I, I look at the quarterback, and, and, and I see his hand right there. When he, when that hand went over, the ball coming. So I'm coming. It's interesting to hear from a player's perspective because I know I know at the bank, right? I mean, when you get that third and long, and we're on defense, and you hear the gong and go. I I can't even hear Dustin talking next to me, right? And I I got chills going. I'm like, I'm not even a player. I can imagine, you know, being a player, how psyched up and amped you got to be in that situation. Oh and yeah, you definitely feel it. Go ahead. And I love and I love playing against against offensive centers who like if you got a like Paige, I love playing against offensive centers. Jeff Jackson got a five year 
a six-year deal, so I'll kill him. <laughs> fat and happy a little bit. Man, I love I, I, if, if, you know crap anything. If if I'm gonna just got paid playing against me, I'm gonna I'm gonna wise ass out. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the toughest center you ever had to go against? Like the names that come to mind for me would be like a Kevin Mawai and with the Jets, he had a long career. Yeah, um, I, I love playing against him because he's a pretty smart guy. Who about he also gets Saturday, all the guys play for the Colts. And I got a chance to play against Santana Dawson for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. You know, Hall of Fame. So I play against a lot of Hall of Famers, the Steelers and Guards. Okay. All right. Uh, the last thing before we do some uh, Super Bowl predictions around the horn and hop off air, I want to ask you, Bryant, Tom, and this just came up yesterday or the day before. Uh, Kyle Rudolph is the sixth highest paid tight end in the NFL per annual salary. And he is not utilized within the offense uh, to warrant that type of money. He recently was on a show with Ben Lieber and he expressed no interest whatsoever in taking a pay cut for this upcoming season, which means uh, he will either be outright released or traded because especially with a a salary cap condensment that's coming condensation that's coming up. Um, I don't think the Vikings can afford him. So I know you've talked about your story with Spielman before, uh, but I want your insight as to like, does a player have any sort of leverage or like what goes into the process of when you know you're going to be approached to restructure? You just got to figure out what it is you want to do. Like I've, when my situation, I felt it was an opportunity for me to go somewhere else. I've been there. I've been in Minnesota my whole career. So I felt like it gave me an opportunity to go somewhere to get a first start. He has to really just think about what it is he's trying to accomplish. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And take it from that approach. Like, I don't really know if he's looking to go to a team. I mean, and even when, even if you get released, you, you may still not get the deal. You might not get the same deal that you had. Like, you know what I mean? So there's going to still be an adjustment. Yeah. So maybe. There's uh, part of that, like where, like, obviously, like, if my employer came to me and said that, we're gonna or like if, if they if they came to me and said hey we well, need to work something out like then i might be a little more receptive if i understand the situation but if it's yeah. like it hasn't even been brought up yet it's all speculation like i wouldn't go out there and say like oh yeah i'll absolutely take a pay cut like right yeah you kind of got to play that close to the chest a little bit so <laughs> um i don't know i'm like i listened to that um that podcast of, with lieber and i think he did a great job and um it was the insight that rudolph had like i get it from his standpoint like you as a player in your prime you think that you if you're being underutilized and everyone can see it like he's talented he's not the player he was when he was 27 28 but he still has value now at that contract I think even he would be fooling himself if he were to think that he thinks he's a top six tight end but um he's definitely uh you know in the above average tight end and there's nothing wrong with that but I wouldn't want to go out on record and say yeah I'm gonna take a pay cut and stay here in my career but is he wrong like because they're not utilizing him does that that's their fault though it is no and it can be it yep. is emphatically, uh, you know, a fault of happenstance uh, because they they selected Irv Smith Jr. in 2019 with a second round pick, which, by the way, what Rudolph was in 2011. So the plan has been to and you don't draft tight in that high just for, you know, shits and giggles. So the, the plan is to transition over to Irv. And that is now. And um, because Rudolph has a hefty price tag. And the guy is getting, you know, two or three targets a game at the max. And usually, you know, in crunch time, which is beautiful, uh, he owes it to himself to find a spot to probably get more targets because he's got yeah. the best yeah. in the world for a tight end. Um, so I, I absolutely support to whatever he wants to do because he's certainly not on a career uh, point in his career where he's decrepit or anything. He's actually damn good. Uh, so it, it didn't surprise me one bit that, you know, he was like looking around when somebody asking him to take a pay cut because, you know, he's been a, a loyal soldier for a decade and he's beloved. I mean, there's right. in terms of, you know, beloved nature, it's probably Thielen 1A and Rudolph 1B. Uh, so yeah. we'll see how that pans out. We might even have a verdict by the next show, or perhaps they'll they'll wait till we get a little further in the offseason. Uh, but we maybe are, the uh, mm-hmm. maybe the uh, Kyle Rudolph uh, Irv Smith is the Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love situation that we got right. <laughs> same same type of situation. <laughs> We shall see. All right, so let's go. Let's do some Super Bowl predictions because we have Pat Williams tonight. Uh, we know who it is. It's the Chiefs, and it is the Bucks. It's uh, the old king versus the young king. Um, what is your Super Bowl prediction, Pat Williams? 
I got, I got, I got Tom Brady about about three. I thought got Tampa Bay by three. Tampa Bay by three. My goodness. Okay, uh, Mike. What about you? Man, I'm torn. Uh, it's hard to go against Tampa. It's hard to go against Brady. I got Kansas yeah. City 30, 31, Tampa Bay 24. Okay. Uh, Ron, you. Um, I've, I actually, I think it's going to be a close game and uh, high scoring, but I do have the Chiefs um, as a score. I don't know. Let's say 34, 31. Uh, Butker with the icing um, to, to finish it. See, great minds think alike, right? <laughs> All right, McKinney, we know your score, 34-31. Who comes out on top? I was going to say Kansas City will find a way. Um, but to me, really, going to me, and whoever had the ball last, really, I feel like, is how it's going to end. But in my mind, I felt like Kansas City will find a way to come through, and that would be his way of kind of dethroning the GOAT. That's what nice I see. Hand up. Yeah, that's what I see. I'm 27-24. That's my score, 27-24. 27-24. All right, we'll get that on record here. That's how I see it, and I, I hate it because I am a, a Brady enthusiast in terms of just how good he is. Um, what I don't – like, if it was – I kid you not, anybody else besides Mahomes and the Chiefs, then I would go with Brady. Um, but mm-hmm. I think so rotten predicting against Brady because, you know, how dumb can you be? Um, but yeah. I ultimately, unless something weird comes up in the next uh, week and a half, I think I'll predict the Chiefs by probably a touchdown uh, because it just seems like that they are this dynastic buzzsaw that I don't know if they can be slowed down. Um, I mean, the truth be told, this probably should be their third Super Bowl if that one dude doesn't line up off sides in the AFC Championship. Ford. Yeah. Ford. yeah. Well, the, the thing for me is their defense is now coming around, right? I mean, before it was just can they outscore teams and what have you, but now they've got a, they've got a formidable defense and – I just they're they're just too stacked all the way around. I think so. The one we'll thing see. that it I should think, be a good game. The one thing that I think could level the playing field a little bit is that Eric Fisher injury. Um, yeah. I know he hasn't lived up to the number one pick that he was, but that's your starting left tackle. And uh, you know now if Mike Remmers is sliding over into that spot, um, <laughs> like I remember him against um, Von Miller in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and he looked like he was on skates. So um, mm-hmm. you know it's wish him luck but uh, i can't imagine that at this point in the year to replace one of your pivotal starters is a uh, um yeah. as far as position value that it's easy to do at this point and we talked uh you know i think brian and i both said you know the the passing of the torch from the uh the old king to the new king but let's let's consider Pat's scenario where brady wins i mean think about a crowning jewel like the 40 year old takes out this undone I mean, it'll be right. already stuff of leg- legends for Brady. It will be absolutely phenomenal if he can, uh, you know, if the whole team can figure out a way to pull it off. But, well, that's all the time we have for Believe in Vikings. Um, McKinney, did you have any guest teasers for next week? Are we going to talk about um, that? We're, uh, we're going to check out a check on a couple people, and then I'll let you know during the week. Okay. All right. Well, that's all we got, and Skull Vikings. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.